This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us today. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. I'm Maura Dooley. Crazy that it is already Advent calendar season, Justin. Well, that means it's October. Yes, so October <laughs> 1st, Advent calendars, Spirits Advent calendars went on sale. They are available in all six of the tasting rooms and online. And uh, they, you may find them at a few select retailers around the area in, in the Northwest. But uh, they tend to go fast, so if you want to get one, you can find them at heritagedistilling.com or any of the tasting rooms. And this year we put a few extra bottles of BSB and BSB 103 in each calendar, nice. plus a few surprises of uh, a couple of very limited-release whiskeys. I love it. And you guys always do a great job, too, of offering up some ways that you can use the Advent calendar. We've talked about it on this show before, having parties where you bring them over, you put the bottles in you know, a big old bowl, and you kind of have a creative cocktail contest, which I always like. That's right. And this year, the uh, color theme is green with uh, some variations of uh, snowflakes on the front, oh, cool. all designed in-house by our team, very talented team, and everything everything's done in-house. So uh, proud of it, and it, it makes a great presentation gift. So, Love And they're priced uh, pretty effectively. It's under 50 bucks. Oh, yeah. And, and never too early to start planning for that, because I know all the Halloween decorations are coming out and they're up, but start thinking ahead and, and game planning for the holiday season as well. These make a great gift. And in the meantime, what's going on in the headlines? Well, this comes to us from uh, foxnews.com. Man will finally drink sour toe cocktail containing his own amputated oh. toe. Um, evidently, uh, one brave outdoorsman, uh, his name is Nick Griffiths of Greater Manchester, England, lost three toes to frostbite while competing in the Yukon Arctic race two years ago. As he was being treated at the local hospital, the Royal Marines veteran remembered a strange advertisement he'd seen just before the race. It said, have frostbite, we want your toes. And I thought it was a joke, that's what he said, but the ad was real. The downtown hotel is always on the lookout for frostbitten toes to garnish a creepy cocktail. Uh, the bar has been serving up the drink, best uh, known for a shot of whiskey with a shrunken human toe in it since 1973. Wow. Yeah. According to the bar rules, anyone who orders is tasked with touching the toe to their lips in order to join the Sour Toe Cocktail Club. Customers are told you can drink it fast, you can drink it slow, but the lips must touch the toe. <laughs> That's wow. Like the rhyme. Over 90,000 brave souls have completed the challenge and earned the certificate of completion, uh, according to the New York Post. So it takes six weeks to mummify a new toe on rock salt before it's ready to serve. And they're waiting for uh, Nick to be the first to do the shot with the toe. That makes it sound like they have one toe uh, every so often and it just gets recycled. So uh, just touch the toe. Don't chew on it and swallow it. And he says here at the end of the story, Nick's big toe is a beauty. So. 90,000 people, huh? 90,000 braver than me. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay being a wimp on that one. (laughs) Yeah. If uh, Let's go to something else. This is from whiskeyriff.com. This is a healthy alternative. You're familiar with the 
the White Castle burger chain in the Midwest? Yes, I've yeah. been there once or twice. Not available around us in the Pacific Northwest that I know of, but yeah. I grew up eating it, lived in Ohio for a little while. Yeah. Was They're military. famous for the really tiny cheeseburgers, the sliders. Well, uh, they have uh, teamed up with Pennsylvania's Weibacher Brewing Company, and they are coming out with their own White Castle brand of beer. It's going to be available in 400 locations across 13 states. This is uh, another example of uh, brand extension for people that own brands teaming up with makers of products, in this case, beer. And so if you are on the lookout and you are happen to be somewhere where there's a White Castle, you may find your ability to get access to some White Castle branded beer now. Interesting. I think it's usually <laughs> the kind of place that people go to get greasy food once they've had some alcohol already. Mm, yes. <laughs> but yes. I guess now you can you can uh, get some while you're there as well. Combine the two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And finally, from MSN.com, the Royals had to get rid of the bar inside of Buckingham Palace because employees, quote, got too lit. <laughs> <clears throat> now, I've not yet toured Buckingham Palace. I'm quite sure that this bar is probably not on the public tour. But a former employee revealed that there apparently used to be a bar inside the palace, but the things had to be shut down when too many people were drinking on the job. The revelation was made during a documentary called Secrets of the Royal Palaces. Uh, that comes from the sun over there. The Queen's former press secretary, Dickie Arbiter, said in a doc that they had to scrap the bar after people working there got too worse for wear. We've all been there, I presume, but not in front of royalty. Uh, though employees <laughs> may no longer be drinking alcohol in the palace, it's apparently not unheard of to be offered a hot drink, even by the queen herself. In addition to the bar, another revelation in the documentary is that a workman once offered tea by someone in the distance while in the royal residence, and he replied without looking, yes, in a mug, two sugars. Uh, Actually, it looks like he said yes with two sugars, builder's tea, and turned to find out that it was the queen walking away to make him tea. <laughs> Yes. See, full service. That's, that's what it means to be a servant leader. Uh, I wonder if he, well, I mean, I guess she went and did it. I was going to say, I wonder if he got in trouble. Seems like that would be an awkward situation. Yeah. Um, interesting that they had a bar and shut it down. Something tells me there's still a secret bar in the palace, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's got to be. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we are in the thick of football season. And the latest trend in sports experiences Team Beers. We'll explain next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We are in the thick of football season. Hockey season started this week. Basketball season right around the corner. And we being here, sports lovers, all of us, and also Justin Heritage partnering with several sports teams, professional sports teams in the area. You're pretty familiar with this, but the latest trend in sports seems to be teams embracing the alcohol partnerships. Yeah, we've seen it uh, blossom in the last four or five years. This just goes to what we talked about earlier, the brand extension. So if you recall our past discussions talking about celebrities, celebrities coming out with their own product or where they're lending their name to a product like Casamigos, George Clooney, or Aviation Gym with Ryan Reynolds and so on. The teams are now uh, flexing some additional trademark muscle. They've got tremendous brands. Even if they have a losing season or losing seasons, they still have a loyal following of fans in each of the regions. And the teams know this, and so they're partnering to bring new experiences 
and to kind of solidify that and to really bring a new product offering with trusted local providers. Uh, so the article here we want to kind of go into a little more depth in is from Forbes.com. It says the latest trend in sports experiences are team beers and starts off talking about the New York Islanders. They've got a beer called the Barn Rocker. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo Sabres are um, teaming up with Labatt to make a Labatt Blue and Gold. Even the New York Yankees have a branded beer called the Pinstripe Pills as a Pilsner. The interesting thing is is uh, how this has expanded into the NFL now. If you recall, just a few months ago, the NFL relaxed their policy on on alcohol for the first time ever they've allowed teams to partner officially with spirits makers whiskey gin or vodka brandy whatever the the product is and they've allowed their brand to be used with the packaging for spirits they went even farther with beer it used to be that teams could be official partners with beer but players could never be involved and if you remember the announcement was that now players can be involved in endorsements for beer and as part of the uh, promotional marketing and uh, it was interesting. Remember the discussion. You can have a current NFL player in a beer ad as long as it's either one player or six players, yeah. nothing in between. And the teams have to have a separate sponsorship agreement with each of the players in addition to the sponsorship agreement between the beer maker and the team. So uh, we started to see a few of those roll out now. That's pretty cool. And I noticed that, uh, as we've been talking about quite often lately, uh, Sparkling Seltzer is one of those, the Bon & Viv <laughs> partnership. <laughs> Yeah, the Bon and Viv partnership. It's an Anheuser-Busch product. They bought that a couple of years ago. And if you've been watching any of the NFL football on, I've seen a few ads now in the middle of games from the Bon and Viv uh, sparkling Even Adam Schefter is now oh. a spokesperson for them. I've seen a couple ads Pig. with him. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, on the beer side for football, Goose Island, which is uh, owned by Anheuser-Busch, they originally started off as a Chicago brewery. They are involved in it. The Houston Astros have a beer. The Los Angeles Rams have a beer. We'll just kind of run through the list here of some of these that have partnered up. Blue Point Brewing is the one working with the Yankees on the Pinstripe Pilsner. Breckenridge Brewery has one with the Denver Broncos. We kind of skip around here. Elysian Brewing Company, which is headquartered and founded here in, in Seattle, Washington. They have deals with the Seahawks, the Sounders, and the Seattle Seawolves. Carbatch Brewing uh, has a partnership with the Houston Astros and so on. And what they, they comment here is that if they are taking the consumer seriously and they know the consumer wants more craft beer at one of the biggest drinking platforms, they need to embrace it and not ignore it. In other words, just relying on the old big brands of Bud and Bud Light or Miller and Miller Light aren't going to cut it anymore. If they want to continue to have fan loyalty and engagement and experience, they've got to branch out into more local and regional craft stuff. I think it's really interesting, too, when we read off this list of the the team collaborations. It's certainly one you would expect of, out of Seattle, where craft beer is huge, where local everything is huge. Some of these other names are kind of a little bit more surprising to me, where the fan demand for local or craft would kind of come as a surprise, I guess, to me, where I would think maybe the Bud and the Bud Lights of the world would still be a standard. For instance, I mean, Washington, D.C. is one of those places. I don't know enough maybe about their demographic, but also cities like uh, Los Angeles and Houston, I wouldn't have necessarily pegged as places that are really focused on having the craft beer movement involved in their sports teams. But it's cool. It is. You know, we uh, we see a large concentration of craft breweries on the West Coast. In, in Washington alone, there's more than 500 out of the 7,000 
breweries across the U.S. So for our state to have 500 out of 7,000 is a big number, almost 10%. California, just by population, has a large number of craft breweries. To your point about the Washington Redskins, you know, the Washington Redskins actually play at FedEx Field in Maryland. And it's a good 20 to 25 minutes, half hour to get from D.C. to the field with no traffic. So even though it, it carries the name Washington Redskins, that really is a regional regional draw from all over Maryland, uh, parts of Delaware, Rhode Island, the district, of course, and Virginia. And whereas the Capitals and the Nationals both have their arenas in the parks in Washington, D.C. proper. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Justin, the next follow-up, too, is... You have experience with Heritage working with some major sports teams. What seeing these kinds of stories popping up in the news can you apply from your your working with sports teams? Well, I think from a craft perspective, we've we at Heritage have been a uh, certainly a leader in the industry on the craft side for spirits because we've we've gone all in working with teams and partnering with teams. It takes a while as a relatively young brand out of all the brands that are out there to get some credibility. The teams are very sensitive to partnerships and to uh, quality and to who their partners are and how they work within the community. The The last thing a team wants, pick Seattle, Seahawks, or Mariners or whoever, last thing that they want is to partner with the uh, product of any type, let their trademark be used with or around that product, and then start getting angry phone calls from customers who don't like the product, the product quality, or the integrity of the company because of what they may be doing within the community or not doing. And so you've got to jump through a lot of hoops to demonstrate that you are a legitimate business enterprise and that you want to be good partners. Anybody can scrape together the money required to do a sponsorship if you work hard enough at it, but it's really the follow-through, and it's all the other intangibles that you can begin to develop. Once you get that seal of approval and you become a partner with one of those professional sports teams, then it creates another level or aura around your brand that consumers might not have been aware of, they might not have known about you. But for the fact that now you've got this partnership and maybe you're able to use the trademarks or in the air, you've got radio TV, or you're in the stadium, all of a sudden you become... Uh, much more elevated in the eyes of the fans. They're more willing to try. Uh, when we work out our, our negotiated deals with these teams, it's fascinating to watch the uh, data from the Seahawks perspective versus, let's say, the Sounders. So we see all the data about uh, the average Sounders fan or the average Seahawks fan or the average Mariners fan, and uh, they do they hire third-party companies to do all sorts of statistical analysis on who who are their fans and, and what are their buying habits, shopping habits, and so on. So we get this data presented to us. Hey, our average fan is uh, X percent male, X percent female. <clears throat> they uh, have an income level of this. They have an education level of this. We ask them through surveys, uh, how when's the last time you consumed whiskey or beer or wine or kombucha or soda or coffee? Um, are you more or less likely to buy a product because of an affiliation with the team and so on? So we get all this data, and it's really fascinating. Most people assume that if you are in Seattle, for example, and you are a sports fan, that you are just going to be a sportsman for all Seattle stuff. Well, according to the data, there's only a 2% crossover between real Seahawks fans and real Sounders fans, meaning there's 98% of the fan bases that regularly will go to a game, watch a game, or pay attention to a game for either the Seahawks or the Sounders. They're completely separate people, completely different universes. 
they're focused on different things, um, they are focused on different products, and that stratification across the region, it's important. It's why we want to focus on football and want to focus on soccer, because we're talking to two very different audiences when we do that. Pretty darn fascinating. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we get to chat with Amanda Reed of Heartwood Provisions about how she designed a cocktail menu and wine list next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. I'm joined right now by a, a familiar face, a guest that we've had on before, Amanda Reed from Heartwood Provisions. She manages the bar there. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us again. Yeah, my pleasure. I feel like the last time we just kind of grazed the surface of, of your knowledge, we had to get you back on and talk some more. Today, we've been talking a little bit about a lot of different marketing campaigns going on. We were talking a little bit about sports teams teaming up with beer companies and some of the cool things they're doing to market that. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the way that you approach putting together a cocktail menu and kind of making a theme out of it. I've noticed that there's a little bit of a travel theme to Heartwood Provisions cocktail menu. Yeah, we oftentimes kind of run with travel as inspiration. Myself and uh, the bartenders who contribute to the menu, it's, you know, I think it's a, a natural thing since we all like to travel so much and all the spirits and fortifieds and fun things that we use come from so many different places in the world. So it's um, easy to want to, you know, run with a base spirits origin and find ingredients from that same place or garnishes or other tie-ins and um, oftentimes the name will then um, inspire, you know, be inspired from that place and from the cocktail origin. So, yeah, you know, we we all love to travel. It's become common for prizes of cocktail competitions to win you trips to places in the world. So I think a lot of bartenders are getting a lot more opportunity to travel these days. So um, it's definitely been a big inspiration in our bar at Heartwood. And I would imagine that uh, travel has been an important part of you you growing the knowledge that you have of the spirits and wine industry and just the different offerings. Absolutely. Um, I always loved to travel, even early on before I really got going in this business. But, I mean, I think that was part of what really inspired me to uh, move forward with this type of career. I got so excited to learn about, you know, spirits and wine and everything from, um, you know, where they come from and from, you know, these places where things are so traditional. It's, you know, it's it's my favorite thing to do, really. And um, I've been, you know, so fortunate to get to go all over the world and experience so many different cultures and traditions. And, you know, food and beverage always ties into that. And so, you know, it's it's a really beautiful thing. So when you incorporate that, I know that you also... Uh, it's important to Heartwood Provisions to fe- to feature some local brands as well. Um, I know your wine list has a lot of Washington and Oregon. How do you go about kind of trying to coordinate that you have some international stuff, but also, you know, keep some local offerings? Well, I think it's a really fine balance. Washington, I learned really early on after moving here, is a very proud culture. Mm-hmm. They love everything local. People here love to drink local and you know, eat local and, you know, there's a lot of pride with that. And 
you know, it's like anywhere you go in the world, same kind of thing. And so, you know, when we, you know, you go travel to Spain and you want to only eat the local food and drink the local drinks, it's, you know, same thing here. People come to Seattle and want to experience, you know, the local wine and the local spirits and, you know, the beer. And it's, you know, a, a growing industry. It's fast, as you know. And, like, especially being in downtown Seattle, we're kind of right in the heart of that. You know, we get a lot of tourists and people, you know, visiting that just want to experience, you know, what Washington has to offer, which is great. And, you know, we offer so much, you know, it's, it's really fun to be a part of. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have to consider pairing it with food and the seasons. I know you just kind of switched to your fall cocktail menu. How do you incorporate the seasons when you're trying to work with a new menu? Yeah, you know, we're very seasonally focused at Heartwood. That's kind of our, our thing. So, you know, when, you know, every season we're we're doing big turnovers. Um, the food menu kind of changes consistently throughout the year. And then the cocktail, we will roll out new menus, you know, quarterly. Um, and, you know, again, just like everything, the, like the pairing cocktails, you know, from uh, summer to fall, you know, we go from like all these shaken citrus, you know, fruit forward um, style cocktails to all of a sudden now we're getting into richer flavors and spirit forward and, you know, serving things with, you know, aged spirit. So, you know, there, there's a big uh, shift that happens, you know, not only on the food menu, but on the cocktail side. Uh, and then our house cocktails, again, kind of, you know, darker flavors, more spice, you know, eggs and richer ingredients that, you know, kind of just keep you keep you warm. <laughs> you know, Seattle gets dark and gray and cold. And yes, so, it does. Um, yeah. So, you know, you got to kind of drink what, you know, feels good in, in the season. And so we definitely like to accommodate that. What would you say is one of your favorites from the new menu? But, you know... <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff because, you know, we're <laughs> a very talented team. Um, but I'm really digging our Tilt to the Kilt, uh, kind of another travel reference, uh, which is Andrew Larson's cocktail. It's a flip-style cocktail, so um, using a whole egg, and uh, there's some scotch, and we do a house-blended vermouth and some Demerara whiskey barrel-aged bitters and some beer, some uh, porter, so it's just robust and rich and chocolatey, um, not too sweet, a little more spicy, and um, I'm, I'm loving it. It's definitely what I would want to cozy up with next to a fire or inside <laughs> a you know, warm place like Hartwood. I love that. It sounds like Hartwood Provisions is definitely a place to go where there's a lot of creativity going on, and you can tell that the bartenders really enjoy crafting these. the challenge of crafting these cocktails and making them unique. So. I would think that it's a great place for people to go and, you know, ask their bartender questions and, and learn what they might like or try something new. Absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what our whole team is about. And they're all pros and amazing. And we all we have so much fun. And the menu changes are always, you know, such a great time for all of us to connect and, you know, contribute and, you know, help each other out. It's, it's a really fun collaborative process. Well, something else that you have going on there, I was looking at your wine list. It's quite extensive and, like I said, really well balanced with some some international wines that are fairly unique and then also a lot of Washington, Oregon. How do you even go about tackling a wine list like that? You know, kind of same thing, uh, just, you know, trying to find that balance. Um, obviously, we want to represent all the, the local, you know, talent that exists here and uh, we have 
range, um, you know, not only from Washington, but also from Oregon. You know, they provide totally different wines, um, so also local. Um, but then, you know, with the international stuff, you know, just trying to find stuff that, like, a good balance of classics, you know, you want to have, like, on every menu, um, but also some off-the-beaten-path stuff that, you know, is approachably priced and works really well with our menu and stuff that we can kind of engage our guests about and talk about and um, you know people get really excited about those kind of opportunities so you know a good range of you know local and international but also like a good range of like price points you know just so we can kind of we got something for everybody, which is, you know, really nice. Yes, we're all about that here. I know I even noticed one, so I recognize, you know, obviously France, Spain, Germany, but I even saw one from South Africa. I don't think I've seen a wine from there before. Oh, yeah, that's a really, it's a up-and-coming region. I mean, they, they've been making wine forever, but, you know, in only in the last couple decades, you know, post-apartheid and all that, have you really seen the wines, you know, showing up in the United States and, um, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, Chenin Blanc's like their leading great scene, as they call it, and it's really beautiful expressions uh, can be found there. We had a South African sparkling that was like 50% Chenin and Chard- uh, 50% Chardonnay. We had that on forever, and everybody loved it. It was it was a really delicious wine. So, yeah, lots of fun stuff out there. You know, you just gotta find those little gems, and you know, again, opportunities to you know showcase regions of the world that you know people that aren't always familiar with and you know they get to experience something new yeah we get to live through your travels <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah a lot um, of fun <laughs> i have a lot of fun here that's awesome and i know you also have a, a great happy hour menu there what can people expect when they come out for happy hour yeah you know happy hour we as far as cocktails go we like to feature classics we're very like you know creative house-made ingredients on the house cocktail side, but we really like to also showcase all the great classics out there, and we try to find some more obscure ones, but um, you know, $8 a cocktail, uh, all quality ingredients, so that's about as good as it gets. Really well-curated wine pours for $7, shop beers for 6 all local, um, and the food is phenomenal for happy hour we have like you know hands down i would say best burger in town for ten dollars and you know a lot of other really great stuff char char and brussels sprouts and all the good stuff that you know is definitely not an afterthought which you know is often the case with happy hour it's it's quality I know you guys were out at the James Beard Taste America event on Thursday. Heritage Always is out there participating, too, and coming up with some delicious things there. And uh, everybody should get out there and check out the new fall menu. Yeah, yeah, please come see come see me at Heartwood. Awesome. Here all the time. Thanks so much for joining us again. You always give us an education. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Coming up next, we've got a brand new top five from our friend Distiller Dane and, of course, a delicious cocktail recipe. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We're here with Distiller Dane for another one of his top five. Dane, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How's it going? Good. Busy, busy. I know you're busy. I watch you on social media, and it seems like every weekend you're hitting another brewery. So uh, what's what's number one in your top five for the week? Uh, number one in my top five, do you remember the old Evil Dead trilogies? 
No. With Evil Dead 1 or 2 and the Army of Darkness. It's kind of a cult classic. Oh, the movie? Yeah. Army of Darkness? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That was out my senior year of college. It would have been 96, 97. Oh, yeah. So Evil Dead, the musical, is coming nationwide right now. And there's a couple local shows coming to Tacoma, Renton, and Seattle. And it's basically a comedic performance combining aspects of all three of the movies. It's not scary. It's not gory. And you don't actually have to be a fan of the movies to enjoy it. But it's full of cheesy effects, jokes, funny songs, and most of all, there's a splash zone in the front two rows where you get covered with fake blood during the performance. Okay, kind of like a uh, Garrison Keillor type deal. All right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the movie itself was funny, so if this has comedic performances, I, I would be interested in seeing what this is about. When, when is it, and where do people find out more? Um, it's coming up the end of October and November uh, locally in our area, but nationwide, exclusively throughout kind of October, November months. All right, number two. Number two on my list. This kind of came from the basic idea of adding bourbon to everything to make it taste better, mm-hmm. um, and it created what I'm calling the easy does it beginning of fall cocktail other than pumpkin spice. Okay. That is, drive to your nearest coffee establishment, order a chai tea latte, add two ounces of bourbon to it. Okay, but to be clear, we want you to get home first before you add the two ounces of bourbon. Don't add it while you're in the car. Correct. Okay, good. Number three. (laughs) Number three on the list. It's spider season. It's getting cold out. (laughs) They're spreading their single webs across for you to walk in, hanging out by your windows. And last year, I spoke about the Swiffer being my deadly weapon to kill all spiders within the house. And now it gets even better because I've upgraded, and that is with the salt gun. The salt gun, okay. That's where you shoot salt pellets at the spiders. Correct. How was your aim? Your aim, it took a little bit of practice. Yeah. So it could take a couple practice shots before you go full board. But I can tell you it's lightweight, has great aim and distance. Load it up with kind of the smaller salt rocks, not table salt. Shoot and destroy it. And for people who don't know, Dane has a strong aversion to arachnids, so uh, this is interesting for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, number four. Number four on the list. So last year, I was actually able to go to this event and had such a fun time. Um, It actually started last night and it's happening again tonight, so there's still tickets available. Go and check it out. And that is the 15th annual Great Pumpkin Beer Festival put on by Elysian Brewing. They make great stuff. Some of our friends are brewers there, and in fact, Ryan, yeah. one of our one of our former employees, is one of the brewers there, and he volunteers to make the pumpkin batched beer, which requires them to get dressed up in a hazmat suit and all that because the powder everything you <laughs> use. So uh, yeah, fantastic beer. Folks at Legion are great, and uh, go check that out. Finally, number five. Number five on the list is a new. Well, it's been around for a little bit, but um, a restaurant I'm about to check out in the Seattle area, and it's called Batu, and it's actually a French-style whole animal steakhouse, and everything I've seen so far basically has me drooling, so I can't wait to check it out. For, like, starters, you can find things like pickled vegetables, carpaccio, and sautéed heart, Uh, but for their entrees, their approach to preparing beef is about the whole animal, so everything is butchered in-house, sold by weight, and you can find a bunch of unique cuts that change daily that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Each portion of beef you order comes with a creative butter you can add to it. Some of the ones they have on their list are bone marrow butter and anchovy. Mm, all right. So whole animal consumption. Squirrels don't go very far. Probably, no. probably not on the menu. <laughs> no. All right. Thanks. That's Dane's top five for the week. All right. See you later. Back to work. And as always, another great cocktail recipe for you to try this weekend. 
Yeah, we call this the stone fence. Uh, you know, we're in the fall time of year. The leaves are turning. It's getting very crisp. Maybe you're going to take the kids out to the pumpkin patch or take a, a hayride or something like that. And typically when you go out into uh, those areas, you may see old, old wood or stone fences. So this this kind of evokes that fall type atmosphere. Uh, get a highball glass, fill it with ice, put in two ounces of our BSB 103, that's the brown sugar bourbon at 103 proof, and top it off with unfiltered apple cider that you can get fresh from the farm this type of year. Add two dashes of cocktail bitters and throw in a mint sprig for garnish. Very easy to make and uh, it's a fantastic cocktail. And if you don't want to have it with ice, of course, hot apple cider mm. with uh, an addition of BSB or BSB 103 is fantastic this time of year. Yeah, those warm drinks always get me on those cold nights, which it is starting to creep in. The temperature is dropping a little lower, and that just sounds like a comforting thing to have at the end of a long day. So we'll make sure the stone fence is available for you to check out at heritagedistilling.com. You can check out past cocktail recipes there as well. Also, download episodes of the podcast. That's right. We're now past 100 episodes of Cast Club Radio. They're all available online. Uh, An amazing team we've got here working on bringing you interesting topics of the day. So uh, thank you all for listening. You can send us emails, ideas, questions, topics, pictures, recipes, uh, email us at caskclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Cask Club Radio and BSB uh, Brown Sugar Bourbon. You can take pictures and post, use the hashtag DrinkingBSB. Love it. <laughs> and don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And as always, too, keep in mind that it's never too early to start planning for the holiday season to get your Advent calendars now. And you can check those out online or step into any one of the tasting rooms. And Heritage Distilling Friendly Staff will help you out with that. And everybody have a safe weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.